We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Joined today by Ron Gutterman filling in for Keith Smith, who's under the weather. Ron, thanks so much for hopping on here. We got a lot to talk about in the world of the NBA. Yeah, you know I love being the front office alternate, so I'm uh, happy to fill that role today. <laughs> We're going to get you a special jersey and everything to uh, <laughs> to, to fill that role. Uh, before we get into everything, quick reminder, do subscribe to the front office show. If you've looked at our numbers, we are super, super close to hitting 20,000 subscribers. So hit that subscribe button. We would love to uh, to pass that threshold hit that subscribe button and also over on apple podcast spotify wherever it is that you listen to podcasts go hit the follow or subscribe button over there give us that five star rating and review as well we sure would appreciate it that helps a ton with the rankings and everything over on apple podcast all right well ron here we are we are now counting down the days until uh training camp starts up we've got media day kicking off around the nba everything is right around the corner yet we still have news unfortunately We've got some bad news to start off with. Hopefully, this is not a sign of things to come for the season. Knee surgery for Robert Williams, Celtic center, that is so critical to what they do on the defensive end of the floor. His ability to get out and cover on the perimeter, block shots, of course. He's incredible at that. And now undergoing arthroscopic knee surgery, four to six-week timeline here. Ron, what does this mean for the Celtics? Do you think they need to make a move to try to address Robert Williams going out? Or is this just, hey, weather the storm and he'll be back soon enough? How do you see this? You know, normally with with an injury like this, with a four to six week recovery timeline, a week before training camp even starts, you know, you would just say weather the storm, get through it, not a big deal. The Celtics in particular have a bit of a lack of depth at the center position. They have Al Horford, who they used more as a wing last year. Uh, but they, they kind of really lack depth at the center position. So it wouldn't be surprising if they were to bring someone in, maybe even off just a 10-day contract or something, a non-guaranteed contract, just to weather the storm, get them through the Robert Williams injury, and maybe keep that player on. Look, Robert Williams, as great of a player as he is, does have an injury history. Uh, and so having a backup center that is serviceable is not the worst thing in the world. Now, you could go small for the whole season, but it's just, it would be better to have that insurance policy. So maybe that's that's something they do there. Uh, I really have no idea, though. They could just weather the storm and, and, and play small until Robert Williams gets back. They're a talented enough team to do it for a short period of time. Still some, uh, some big name veterans out there on the market that can man the center position. You think of 
LaMarcus Aldridge, think of Blake Griffin, of course, Dwight Howard, Hassan Whiteside, all of these guys still floating around out there that could be put into the Celtic system and give you some serviceable minutes there if needed. But again, best case, if it's only four weeks, he could potentially be back for opening night for, for the Boston Celtics. So he'd be cutting it real close, and I don't think this early in the season you push it, but we could only be talking about, in terms of regular season games, what a handful at most of missed of missed games. So I think that has to factor into the Celtics decision as well. Yeah. And I think that'll be up to the, you know, Celtics medical team to decide, Hey, this might be closer to four or this actually might be longer than six. It's going to be a conversation between them and the front office to decide sort of which direction they go with it as training camp gears up. I mean, this is only a week left. This is kind of the, the last stand before you actually try to finalize what that roster is going to look like when you take the court opening night. But it's certainly not what you want to hear from an NBA perspective, from a Celtics perspective, yeah. that Robert Williams already suffering an injury. He's an exciting young player, blocks a ton of shots, always has some highlight reel plays. And unfortunately, sounds like he's going to be out of action for a bit here. Could miss a little bit of time in the regular season as well. We'll see if there is a, a follow-up move here by the Celtics to try to address this need at the center position. Uh, you mentioned that teams are kind of finishing things up as you get ready for media day, as you get ready for training camp. Rumors still persist that the Suns could be looking to trade Jay Crowder, their 3 and D wing specialist. At the same time, they're talking con contract extension with Cam Johnson. Uh, those two things, think they're linked together? Cam Johnson is just the heir apparent to those minutes for Jay Crowder, or you think something else is up here? I, I, think, I think something else, I would say. Cam Johnson getting an extension feels more like a separate thing. Like they are just, they want to extend their guy if, if he'll take a, a, a reasonable contract, I don't think they're going to give him some highly inflated deal uh, like a lot of teams do when they extend their own guys. Mm -hmm. I think this is more of a like, hey, if he's willing to take a certain number, we're going to extend him. If not, we're not going to extend him. Uh, the Jay Crowder trade, I think uh, the rumors have been that they want to upgrade Jay Crowder into Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, the Jazz the probably need some draft pick compensation or some young players to really go for that. Uh, but I think that would be their like ideal goal is to turn Jay Crowder into Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, so I, I think that's where they're going to go with that. Yeah, Bogdanovich is certainly available. Uh, I do wonder what the Jazz would do with Crowder if they traded for him. Like, isn't that just kind of perpetuating the issue where you've got these veteran players that other teams would want that you need to trade? I, I do wonder if he would just get flipped. Maybe we see a three-team deal. But when you look at the Suns, Jay Crowder, not quite enough salary going out, 10.1 million. Uh, we know Bogdanovich, what is he? What, 18, 19 million, somewhere in, in that range. So now you're talking about attaching another salary there. Likely Dario Saric. Yeah, I was going to say, would you do Dario Saric and, and Jay Crowder if you're the Suns? Would that be okay, knowing that Saric didn't play? You know, he's been dealing with injuries, but when he plays, he, he can be serviceable. I mean, if I'm the Suns, yes, I do that deal. But if I'm the Jazz, I probably would need some sort of draft pick compensation there. Uh, as well, Boyan Bogdanovich is is of value. I think the league wide consensus is that he can net you some kind of protected first round pick. Um, so I think you know I think the Suns would have to throw something in there to make it worth the Jazz's while. For the Suns, Jay Crowder to Boyan Bogdanovich. Boyan Bogdanovich is a better player. They're both on expiring contracts. And Dario Saric, while he is effective when he plays, he has not played very much recently. Uh, so I think for the Suns, it's kind of like, a yeah, we're trading two players for one better player that 
fits our scheme perfectly. Boyan Bogdanovich is exactly what the Suns want. And yet there would have to be some kind of draft compensation because given the, the direction the Jazz are heading in, neither Saric nor Crowder are, are parts that they would be keeping for the long term, right? So there's not really value in those players for the Jazz given where they're at currently. Again, maybe that suggests some type of a three-team trade with another team that that is looking for a veteran on the wing. Um, maybe it could be something as, as simple as, you know, the Jazz say, well, give us a second and we'll do this, or it's a protected first or whatever, and then we're going to try to flip Jay Crowder, a la, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies did with uh, with Andre Iguodala. Wings are in high demand in the NBA. At some point, I think somebody would probably give the Jazz something for, for Jay Crowder, but... Um, We'll be interesting to see how this plays out, particularly just because the clock is ticking. Teams usually don't like to make these moves after you get into training camp and you start to get everything settled. So we'll see. This is really late in the summer for this kind of stuff to be going down. But I think this also might be a symptom of the Kevin Durant trade request, really pushing everything back, all of the business back this summer. Yeah, I think uh, the Lakers fans that are watching, I think their ears perked up when you said three-teamer with a team in need of a veteran wing. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think everyone's ears just perked up there. But I, yeah, I, I do think that it, it's unlikely that something gets done, although you know the rumors say that they're looking to trade him. They want Boya Bogdanovich. It, it feels, I mean, we are running out of time here. Uh, and, and trades usually don't happen, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, trades usually don't happen during training camp and during the preseason just because you already got all the guys there let's see what you have exactly. before you start making some trades right now is kind of this is the last real moment to make a trade because you can argue to yourself well we got what we wanted to do done before training camp started mm -hmm. once training camp starts it's sort of like hey we have the roster we have it's kind of messed up to bring in these guys to training camp and then three days in be like all right See ya, you're off. To and you're out. Yeah, like it, it doesn't make much sense. So we're, we're kind of nearing the end here, the finish line of this this soft deadline of training camp starting. So I, I find it unlikely that a deal gets done, but you never know in the NBA. Well, and just logistically, if you pull a trade, you pull off a trade, well, you've got to bring that player in. You've got to have time to get that player into your city. You've got to have time to get that player all set up and get the trade done, get physicals, Medicals. get all this stuff. So I mean, the, the conversations here would have to be fairly far far along at this point in order to get something done before training camp which i agree i think teams would prefer. i think they would need to be pretty much at this point arguing about protections on the pick as yeah. like everything else must have been settled by now if this trade is going to go down right right you know one team saying top 10 protected no top 12 protected okay top 11 protected yeah. deal right like that's that's pretty much where we'd have to be at for a deal like that to uh to get done uh anthony edwards was fined forty thousand dollars or some some comments that he made. Are, are you surprised these comments are being characterized as as homophobic comments? Are you surprised that the dollar amount is forty thousand? I think I've said a lot of the reaction has been ex that the expectation was that the fine would be larger. Yeah, I, I'm not. I don't remember the exact. Uh, what is the maximum fine? Is it fifty or a hundred? I'm not sure. I'd have to go back in and and look. Regardless. Um, whether it's 50 or 100, the NBA did not find him the maximum amount that they could. Um, and I feel like they probably should have. Uh, we're obviously not going to get into any of the comments themselves. Uh, you know, obviously it needs to be a learning experience for a very young guy. Um, but, you know, the, the NBA probably could have taken this opportunity to like to just 
put the nip this in the bud and just be like, this is the maximum fine. This is worthy of a maximum fine. Whatever that is, I don't remember if it's 50 or 100 right now. Right. Yeah. And they uh, they did not do that. Uh, players on the floor. Zion Williamson. That time of year, Ron. Everybody. Zion Williamson season. If the, if the saying is that every player has put on like 10 to 12 pounds of muscle, for a guy like Zion right? Who is just his, his physical stature. Is it for him like 20 to 30 pounds of muscle? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I, like, you know, like, probably... It's it's a mystery, really, because I think uh, this is September, right? And September is Zion Williamson is healthy season, um, and I I'm really kind of excited to see what that turns into this year. Uh, I think we all just kind of like hope and pray that Zion Williamson can play an 82 game basketball season because we all know the type of player he is and can be. Um, but at this point, it's. Like, I, I don't really love these September stories of Zion Williamson is healthier than ever because is he like, I, I don't know, probably not. <laughs> I mean, and this, I guess really saying he's put on, you know, 20 pounds of muscle. Like he's not trying to really put on weight right now. If you're Zion Williamson, even you're not, he's already as you know muscular as it is. But this is from his strength and conditioning coach said he's in fantastic shape. He's been committed to putting in the work day in and day out. I'm really proud of what he's been able to accomplish. He's a better athlete now than he's ever been. And he said his body comp composition has improved at an extremely high level. So, I mean, he's without saying the words, he's in the best shape of his life. <laughs> he's saying he's in the best shape of his life, hmm. right? He is in the, uh, you know, whatever the actual quote was, it's just parentheses, the best shape of his life. Um, and you know what? Good for him. Um, mm -hmm. Every NBA player is in the best shape of their life uh, seven days before training camp. So very excited. Uh, again, all jokes aside, you want Zion Williamson to be at his best because if this is true, he's in the best shape of his life. He's he's 20 pounds heavier with muscle, not not fat, like it's amazing for the league because Zion Williamson is a, an incredible player and, and, you know, we know what he can do. So we want that for him. Uh, but it's just a matter of, is it actually true? And when the games start, are we going to see that? Or is this another preseason? He's in the best shape of his life story. Right. Is it just, you know, more kind of fluff that we see this time of year? Uh, the trainer also added, we focused on addressing body composition, body weight, fat, fat et cetera. 
while maintaining and improving flexibility, strength, and power. Uh, we also focused on improving his overall fitness. The more weight he carries around, the more stress it puts on his body. Focused on aerobic and anaerobic basketball-specific conditioning. So to me, that sounds like he's probably trimmed down, if anything, while trying to maintain his still you know, incredible levels of, of physical strength. Yeah, and he... You know, he's one of those players where you you could see that the he weighed too much for the style of play that he and brought. For, the sport. For, for yeah, just for what he does on a basketball court, he weighs he weighed a little too much, and that was causing foot injuries, knee injuries, ankle injuries, all all these types of things that are all connected. Uh, so yeah, losing some weight probably makes sense for him. But again, is is that true? And and will that actually lead to? a fully healthy season, which everyone in the NBA, including, you know, including the Pelicans' biggest rivals, they're rooting for Zion Williamson to play healthy because everyone in the NBA just wants to see him play basketball. He's awesome. Yeah, yeah, he has barely played in his seasons in the NBA. I mean, he's, but when he's been out there, he's been absolutely dominant and devastating. And this is a young Pelicans team that was really good last season without him. Uh, could take a big leap if he is truly healthy and truly able to, to play this game at the level that we know we can and can stay on the floor. It's going to be really critical for him, really critical for the Pelicans this season. Uh, Kyrie Irving jumped back into the news, which he does tend to do. Now, he did jump into the news for a few reasons that we're yeah. not going to get into, a few social media posts and things like that. This, that, one, was this, this one, one was great. This one was great. But, but Kyrie said that getting swept was needed, was necessary, that it was humbling. Getting swept by the Boston Celtics last year was needed for the Nets. I expect Kyrie to put a positive spin on this. I would expect every Nets player to put a positive spin on this and say that it's made them hungrier. It's brought them back with more focus and, and all of these sorts of things. But I guess the question is, do you buy it? Do you buy that getting swept will actually be a motivating factor for this Nets team? Or is this just something that they're saying right now and... When the season starts up, that's all going to fall by the wayside. Well, it, it's twofold, right? Because I agree with the comment. I think getting okay. swept was needed for them. I think, uh, I think the the Nets had a little bit of an ego uh, before they had really done anything. I mean, this is a team that there was a time when we were talking about this as the next great super team and potential dynasty, and they haven't been out of the second round. Now, some of that has been due to injury and other misfortune, but they haven't been out of the second round as a team. So I think getting swept out of the first round was needed. Now, the second part of that is I don't know if they actually believe that as a team. Even though I, the, the Kyrie, Kyrie's statement is fully correct, I don't know that he believes that, and I don't know that the Nets believe that. I don't know that Kevin Durant thinks that it was necessary that they got swept. But if if it is if it is believable, if, they, if they're speaking the truth, then I think it's good for them because I do think they needed a little bit of an ego check as an organization because they got Kevin Durant, they got Kyrie Irving, and they got James Harden, and then they traded James Harden for Ben Simmons, and it was like this idea of we're like we're nailing this, and then the success hand, was hand before. us our championships. Right. Yeah, like it, it felt like the organizational mantra was like we're killing this. Meanwhile, they weren't getting out of the second round, so it was like they, they did need this a little bit. So I, I hope that they're being honest here, um, and if they are, I. I they will probably be a more successful team this year if they're a little more humble and a little more focused on actually progressing as a basketball team rather than just hoping the talent will figure itself out. 
Well, and we, you know, Kyrie mentioned that he didn't play most home games last year. Injuries were a factor. All these things were, were certainly a factor, and those things mattered. But I think had the Nets, let's say the series had gone to six games, right? Let's say it goes six games and it's a, you know, 4 2 series. Then the Nets can look at that and say, well, you know, we took a couple of games and it was with all this turmoil that we had, all these injuries that we dealt with and everything. Just wait till next year. All we need to do is just be healthy and we're and we're fine. I think this is kind of the reality check. Getting swept says, hey, you know, it's not just Kyrie didn't play home games or whatever. Like there's there's more that we need to work on here. And I like the Nets offseason overall. I mean, you kept Kevin Durant, you kept Kyrie Irving, you bring in TJ Warren, who I thought was a steal at the price they got him at. You've got some really interesting pieces here on this on this Nets team. On paper, they still look good. But just like with the with the Lakers, I think the Nets on paper probably look better than the Lakers do currently. But I've taken the approach of I'm not going to I don't buy that Russell Westbrook suddenly going to work. I don't buy that this Lakers team with four point guards is going to work out until we see it. Prove it on the floor and then I'll buy it. I think we need to take the same approach with the Nets here that on paper they look really good. But past experience has shown us that we shouldn't fall for it until they actually prove themselves on the floor. Yeah, and and this is kind of this is uh, similar, you know, if we're talking a little bit on the Lakers, like this is the Anthony Davis dilemma, which is Kyrie Irving can say all he wants that hey, we had some misfortune and we had some injury stuff, but they've been having those injury problems since the day Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving signed. So we can't just assume that that's going to go away all of a sudden. That those issues are still going to be present even if they're playing better basketball. Same with Ben Simmons. So I think T.J. Warren is the same way. Like. It's you're saying, oh, we've had some injury, bad injury luck. Well, you're a team filled with injury prone, bad luck players. So either overcome that or work in spite of it. And I think this is what they're going to need to do this season. They have some proving to do. And I think you're right. Like if they had pushed the Celtics to six or seven, they could have said, well, we took the Eastern Conference champions to six or seven. Not much we need to do. But I mean, there was outside of the first game where the Nets like really took it to the buzzer. Like the Celtics were so much better as a basketball team. Like the Nets looked like they were not even playing the same sport. So that's going to be humbling for them. That's going to be humbling. Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe this will spur the the Nets to make the necessary changes. You're right. I mean, just saying, well, we had injury issues and and whatever. Like it's like Shaq saying, oh man, imagine if I wasn't so unlucky at the free throw line. That, that's not unlucky. That's just, that's what you are. And I, I think that's true that you can make that same uh, case for Anthony Davis. Like, is he finally going to stay healthy this season or is it just, did we just fall into that same pattern that we've seen of, of injuries and, and what do we see there? The same with Zion Williamson. We just talked yes. about him. Like w- the Pelicans will be much better if he is himself for 82 games. He's literally never been himself for 82 games. So we can't, we can't just put that qualifier on there. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's something that you have to, you will, again, believe it when you see it. Believe it when it actually comes true. You know, I'm just looking up here. Zion Williamson, it, he's been in the NBA for three years. He's only played in two of those years. And he played 24 games his first year, and he played in 61 his second year. This guy in three years has played in 85 games. Three years. And that's not to say he can't do it, right? Joel Embiid was like, it was a deep concern. I think through his first three years, he had played like 50-something games. Mm -hmm. 
but he has figured out a way. Now, he still gets injured, and he still misses time, but he has figured out a way to stay on the floor more than he's off it and be effective and recover quickly, and and he has figured out a way to limit the big injuries and just keep it you know, minor, and he gets back on the floor quick. So I, I hope Zion can have the same the same thing. And I hope the Nets have the same thing. Absolutely, absolutely. It, it can be done. That's the point. You know, we look at bigs with injuries, whether it's Anthony Davis, Zion Williamson. I always go back to Zydrunas Ilgauskas back in the day when he was uh, with the Cavs. Like, he initially was known as this guy that can't stay healthy, has all these foot problems, and then suddenly he figured it out, and he was able to stay healthy. So you never know. But if you were to, if you were to set a line, Vegas-style, for how many games Zion Williamson and Kyrie Irving play, each of them individually, what would you set it at? I would set Zion's... His over-under. I would set it at 50. 49 and a half. All right. I would set Kyrie at 57... 56 because if you take away last year which which was the vaccine thing that was causing him to miss a majority of his games he usually plays in the ballpark of like 50 to 60 games Mm -hmm. so i'd set him at like 57 58 and i'd set zion at like 49 and a half his is such a wild card because like it's been 24 51 zero like (laughs) so you like have no clue where to set that line Right. That's the that's the challenge with, with Zion. But I think you're right. I think people look at Kyrie and we think, oh, he just never plays. If you eliminate the vaccine situation, I mean, he does still have a history of injuries, but I think we will see him he, quite a bit more this season. He is the type of guy, Kyrie's injury proneness is different than Zion's. Kyrie's injury proneness is he starts the season strong and then his body deteriorates on him and he misses the end of the season. That's kind of been his mm-hmm. MO. If you look back at his time with the Celtics, uh, his first couple of years with the Nets where the first 40, 50 games, he was playing very regularly and then a little injury here and a little injury there. And next thing you know, he's out for the year with an ankle injury. Like that's kind of been his thing. So I think the over under would be a little higher than you're expecting. Right. Right. Now a word from our sponsor, better help. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been stuck focusing on your problems instead of solutions? We see it all the time when we're talking to fans about their roster trades they've made in the past People get stuck focused on what it is that went wrong rather than how to make things better. It can be tough to train your brain to be in problem-solving mode when faced with a challenge in life, but just as in sports and in our regular life, it is important that you do have that mindset of finding solutions and not getting stuck with your problems. How can your team dig themselves out of the hole that they've put themselves in? What moves can they make? What can you do in your life to make things better? Well, a therapist can help you become a better problem solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or small. In this day and age where mental health is being pushed to the forefront, it's so important that you take the time to take care of yourself. Therapy can be a great way to unload stress, to have emotional healing, and to help with anxiety and depression. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists at any time. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com front office today to get 10% off your first month. 
That's betterhelp.com slash front off. All right, last thing that we've got today, NBA age limit. We talked about this, uh, Keith and I did yesterday, that new CBA negotiations have already kind of started. Some of the big topics we we got into a little bit, more punitive luxury tax uh, issues being part of it. Uh, there were a few other things that we got into, but also was this idea that the NBA is going to lower the age restriction back down to 18 and allow 18-year-olds to once again compete in the NBA. Now we're hearing that, and this is, uh, I believe, from Adrian, Adrian Wojnarowski, that part of the give and take in this is that the new CBA may require that if an 18-year-old is going to come into the NBA, all 30 teams have to be provided his medicals. I instantly thought of Kobe. I know we've seen a number of different agents do this kind of stuff, but where agents will refuse to give medicals to teams that they would not like to see draft their player. Why do you think the NBA would do, would want this, would want to force medical records to be given to every single team and not allow agents to withhold them from teams that they don't want to be drafted by? I think because... An 18-year-old, you know, you're eliminating one and done, essentially, by by allowing 18-year-olds to come into the league. And so when all you have on a player is high school tape as opposed to college tape, even one year of college tape, um, that means that the information surrounding that player is just less than it would be if they had gone to college. And so I think to make it fair, you need all 30 teams to have as much information as humanly possible about the player. That includes their medicals. And if agents are withholding, then you're essentially telling, you know, in Kobe's situation, you're telling a majority of the teams in the league, oh, you know, yeah, we're not going to give you his medicals. And because you didn't see him play in college, he was just at a high school in Philadelphia. Like, you don't know the difference. Maybe he's injury prone. Maybe he's not. We're not going to tell you. Mm -hmm. And but we are going to tell the Lakers that he's a perfectly healthy person with no injury problems so that they draft him like you can't, you can't really have that happening. Um, you know, and I think information is so important in, in, in the world that having all 30 teams have equal access to information about 18 year old prospects coming out of high school is the only fair way to make this work. Yeah. I think that it, it makes sense. Like I have a hard time restricting players from getting where they want to go because I know the NBA has the draft set up and everything. But if you're that individual player, your landing spot oftentimes has a large determining factor in your ultimate success or failure, right? The opportunities they're presented to you, if you believe that Team X has the best potential to develop you and the best use for you, and you are going to have the best career if you go to that specific team, I don't fault players for trying to do that because I think it's more lucrative to do so. It's more productive to do so where players try to steer their draft slot you know, even if it means taking a lower draft slot, you fall you fall from five to nine or something and you make that much less money over the long haul. If you wind up with the right team, that can make you way more money again in the cool. in the long run and prolong your career. So I understand why players would want to do this, but I also think information is really important about 18 year olds. You have one less year from the NBA team perspective. You have one less year to observe that player, one yes, less year of college play to try to figure out what that player is. So I think there's enhanced risk anytime you draft an 18 year old, because there's less certainty into exactly what that player is. And that means inherently there's going to be a higher miss rate when you're drafting an 18 year old player versus a player 
who's been in college for two or three years, you have a pretty good sense of who that player is and what they can do. So I understand teams wanting to try to mitigate that risk as much as possible by having full access to those medicals. I, my only drawback is, again, I, I understand why players would have interest in going to a specific team. And it feels, I understand it's the system, but given how much these players have writing on it, it feels wrong to restrict that. No, no, we're talking I, about medical information. Like medical information is personal information too. Like that, that yeah, also matters. I, I agree with the idea of like, I absolutely want players to play where they want to play. Um, now I do agree we have a draft system and that's the system in place. I, I am all for players playing where they want to play. I think there is a way to steer, if you're an agent, there is a way to steer a player to the team that you want doing it above board. Okay. But I, what I don't necessarily agree with is like an 18 year old um, withholding medicals is, it feels almost like kind of a sketchy way to get your desired outcome. I think there's a way to be open and above board and tell teams, Hey, you have all the medical information, you know, he's healthy, you know, he's good. We want, we want to be on this team or we want to go in this draft slot. Like we want to be here. We don't want to be where you are. Um, and there's a way to do that above board where you say, hey, you know, if if we're going to go through this, either you can draft us, uh, you can draft the player, and after four years, we're going to find a way to get out, or after two years, we're going to find a way to get out, or you can just let them fall and, and get them to where they want to go. But it's at least being done above board where everyone is on the same page with information. But does that, does that threat even hold any weight? Like... I how often have we seen people coming off players coming off of rookie contracts actually take the qualifying offer and get out? It, it does not happen often. And for good reason, it usually always backfires right uh, on the player, but that also the restricted free agency system, this is a way larger argument, but the restricted free agency system is also something that needs to be looked at. Yes. Um, I, agree. I think if you want to keep the draft system the way it is, you have to fix restricted free agency because you're essentially telling players, hey, you don't have a say in where you play basketball for at least the first seven years of your career, at least. Oh, I've said it a bunch. I've said that restrict, like when we're looking at free agents and I'm and we're plotting out, you know, what what moves teams can make over the summer and everything. I just, you know, I go over spot track. I just take out restricted free agents. I don't even look at them. And I think NBA teams do that too. They don't even yeah. consider them free agents because they're not. And that's where you end up with situations like Colin Sexton sitting there without a contract forever until finally, you know, the Jazz make a trade and are able to give them a deal. Restricted free agency, it's not great for, for players. It's really, really bad. Um, these guys aren't even really true free agents. And NBA teams are simply not willing to tie up their cap space on these guys. I mean, we saw even with the, with the Andre Ayton situation, it took every other free agent essentially being off the board before the Pacers were willing to tie up their cap space. So that yeah. system needs to be reworked. And I agree with you there. Maybe there's a give or take with the with restricted free agency, and you can tie that in something to something here with rookies coming in at 18, what they have to do with their medicals. A lot of these issues that we're talking about are going to be ultimately bargained, right? You're going to have to say, well, if we're going to get these medicals, we're, we're going to be willing to give up some flexibility in restricted free agency or something yeah. something to that effect. Yeah, I think, look, CBA negotiations, I believe they're this coming off offseason. Um, I believe there's a mutual opt-out this December. Uh -huh. uh, and then this offseason would be those negotiations. 
And they've already started talking about the, which yeah. is a good sign. I'm here to tell you, I, there are some issues where this, this might be ugly. Like, I, <laughs> I think this past iteration of the CBA, I mean, it led to things like Kevin Durant ultimately didn't get traded, but like it led to the spiral and the, the snowball effect that was Kevin Durant requesting a trade with four years left on a contract. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be some hard discussions. And I imagine restricted free agency is going to get brought up, age limit obviously going to get brought up, and those are all going to tie in together because the draft system into the free agency system, it they, they go hand in hand. So if you are going to keep a world in which players have to be, you know, hand over their medicals and get drafted wherever they're told, well, then you can't also keep them there for seven, eight, nine years against their will sometimes. There's going to be uh, some some discussions that are going to be had. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a change to that system. Yeah, agreed. And if there's going to be a change, now's the now's the time for them to start hashing that out and work on it again. I don't think we're going to see a work stoppage or anything like that. It, no. These two sides, even if things do get a little contentious, like you're saying, I think these two sides have done such a good job working They're, together, especially through the pandemic, that they'll get through this. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Number one, how do they they change things? And then what really becomes fascinating is as years go by, and now we're getting ahead of ourselves, we're getting into like Lakers draft pick territory, like 2027, 2029, <laughs> we're going to see the unintended consequences. There's always unintended consequences to big moves that the NBA makes. You look at shortening the lengths of contracts. Owners didn't want to be you know, paying a guy uh, for another five years on a deal or something when he got hurt in year two and it was a seven-year contract or whatever. So NBA owners wanted to shorten the length of contracts. That inadvertently created more opportunity for player movement, more opportunity for players to team up because they're hitting free agency more often. And it's completely changed the era of basketball that we've been in. You never know what some of these changes, there could be some unintended consequences um, that we also see play out. So that's going to be another angle that will be fascinating to look look at as this new CBA does come together. But um, Ron, I think we can wrap things up there. Thank you so much for for coming on here, man. I I appreciate it. Thanks for, for jumping in here for Keith, who's, under the weather hopefully he'll be he'll be feeling better soon but uh but always fun to get on here and talk basketball with you yeah always uh you know you know i love being the alternate here so keep doing that all right everybody make sure you do subscribe to the nba front office show over on youtube as well as apple Podcasts, spotify wherever it is that you've listened to podcasts till next time everybody see ya and stay safe